Welcome back to the Teacher's Cup of Coffee. So good to be with you again. Hope everybody has had a good start to their school year. Hopefully you're in a good vibe. You're getting sort of the routines and procedures going. Learning is taking place. You know, obviously we've talked here about how last year was a really difficult school year. And every school year is going to be challenging. But I think we're all just hoping this one can feel a little more normal. Rigor can return education can get a little bit back to a normal flow and hopefully you're feeling that hopefully you're feeling that so today i'm hoping that i can help you feel that some more today we're looking at the the idea of student behavior and connecting it to trauma and connecting it to what we as educators do when we face this type of behavior so i'm drawing upon a book called teaching learning and trauma responsive practices for holding steady and turbulent times it's a great book that i've started reading i know some teachers uh, not at my school at a different school that did a book study on this book they felt great success they learned a ton so now i'm reading it with some people at my school it's by brooke odrobinak and beth kelly and so far so good learning a lot from this book and uh, obviously, teaching, learning, learning, and trauma all go together, and it's good as educators to be thinking of them as going together as we figure out how to optimize teaching and learning in our classroom. So what we're going to talk about today is student behavior, and we're going to talk about the big three, apathy, disrespect, and disruption. The big three, apathy, disrespect, and disruption. But the first thing our authors say when dealing with this type of behavior in the classroom, and this is probably the theme of this podcast, don't take student behavior personally. That's easier said than done. But I'm going to repeat, don't take student behavior personally. Their behavior is not about us. It's not about you. It's not about us in the classroom or us in the school. There's more to it than that. But this is hard to remember as educators. We take it personally. We've planned a great lesson. We're so excited to implement the lesson. And then we deal with some of the big three, apathy, disrespect, or disruption. And it, we take it personally. We get mad. We get frustrated. We get knocked off course. And that's what we don't want to do. The big three are always going to happen. Those of us that are educators that are hoping someday the big three don't happen, it's never not going to happen. Apathy, disrespect, and disruption are never going away entirely. All we can do is deal with them in our own little bubble that we are in charge of in the school and do everything we can to minimize them. And part of that, a big part of that, is not taking it personally when the big three occur. So, as I said, this is hard to remember as educators, but here's two quotes from the book which I think are so important. The first one, all behaviors are adaptive. Everything we do as humans, we do in an effort to get our needs met. End quote. That one really helps us not take stuff personally. If we realize that all behaviors are adaptive and the things kids are doing, they've learned to do along the way in a lot of places other than my classroom or our classroom or our school. And they do them to get their needs met. So when they're being apathetic, it's to get their needs met. When they're being disruptive, it's to get their needs met. When they're being 
disrespectful and defiant. It's to get their needs met. So we don't need to take it personally. It's not a knock at us. It's something they've learned to get their needs met. I love that quote, and I think it can really help us not take behavior personally. Second quote, thinking of other people's behaviors or ways of adapting to a situation helps take the personal element out of our interactions, end quote. So if we think about student behavior as a way they adapt to a situation, and you know, it's, it's what they've learned, if we, if we learn ourselves to see their behavior as a way they adapt to situations, we are more able to take our personal element out of it. So we need to remember not to take student behavior personally. That's the theme. All right, now we're going to go to how do we do this? Well, first of all, let's remember it's that time of year now. It's towards the end of September. Repetitive behavior challenges, they're starting to show themselves. You know, we're starting to deal with the same kids with the same issues, right? And that's where we start to get more angry and we start to take it more personally. And we start, you know, some of our goodwill built up up in the summer starts to starts to wear thin, right? And if you're like me, you you know, I take student behavior extremely personal, extremely personal, and I got to stop doing that. I have to see it for what it is, Adapt, adaptive things they do. So, you know, in order to do this, let's look at some concrete things we can do with the behaviors we encounter, all right? We're going to talk about the big three, apathy, disrespect, and disruption. And we're going to talk about what we can, what we normally do when we face each of them and what we can do to handle it better. So first up is apathy. All right. I'm going to give you an example of apathy. You're, you just did your mini lesson. You're so excited for the learning activity and the student has his head on the desk, head down, not doing anything. Right. So, you know, what do we normally think? right? What do we think in that moment? Well, I often immediately think this kid doesn't care, doesn't care about anything. And he doesn't want to learn the stuff I'm teaching. And he just, he doesn't give a damn, you know, and that's what goes through my head. And then as that goes through my head, how do I respond? Well, I often respond by ignoring the student or immediately redirecting the student. Hey, Johnny, pick your head up, get started. Hey, Johnny, I already told you once, pick your head up, get started, get started. Or worse yet, sometimes I'll make a sarcastic remark. Like, oh, Johnny, I can see you're back at it again today, doing nothing, right? And all of those things come from my thoughts that he doesn't care, he doesn't want to learn, right? So I, I ignore him, I redirect him, or I make a sarcastic remark, okay? But there's other reasons he might have his head down, all right? Adaptations, they, there might be other reasons he had his head down, has his head down. Student might not be sleeping a lot at home for a lot of different family reasons. The student might be depressed. The student might have no self-esteem and just can't engage with hard learning because of it. The student might be checked out. The world might have taught this student to check out from learning because what's the point, right? Or the student just might be shut down. Sad kid, a lot of sad stuff in his, his life, and he might just be shut down from learning. And when we start to see that all these things could be the adaptations, or his response to these things could be the adaptation of just putting his head down instead of working. And when we start to see it that way, we can take it less personal. So what are some things we can do for the kid with the head down? One thing we can do is nothing, literally nothing. Just let the kid keep his head down. 
chances are five other kids aren't going to put their head down because he is. They're just going to keep going. And we'd be the one drawing attention to it. So we can do nothing. Just give the kids some space. Class ends. Just say something to them encouraging or, or wondering what was going on. But not be all over them right away. Another thing we can do is acknowledge what we see and offer some support. Hey, hey, John, I, I noticed you have your head down and all the other kids have started the activity. Like, is, is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything you need? Such a different response. What a difference there is between... Oh, here goes John again, not doing anything once we get started. John, I hope you catch up, right? There's that sarcasm. The flip of it is, hey, John, I noticed you have your head down. All the other kids have gotten started. Is there anything I can do for you? Is there anything you need? Talk about inviting the kid into the lesson, right? So some other things you could say. You could say, I noticed you seem really tired. Do you need to get up, take a walk? Do you need some water? But you just seem tired. What can I do? You also could say, hey, what feels possible for you right now? If you can't do the whole activity, could you do part of it? Um, we also could, you know, say, do you need to check in with a counselor? Is everything all right? And obviously a lot of what we're saying here right now would be quiet and off to the side. Uh, but, but the key is the kids being apathetic and instead of immediately being all over him, immediately redirecting him, immediately assuming he doesn't care, immediately being sarcastic, we instead, sorry about that, we instead can Try to invite the kid into the lesson quietly and in a supported manner. So that, by the way, that's one way you deal with trauma in your classroom is instead of redirecting and belittling and being sarcastic to an adaptive behavior, you, you show some understanding. You show some understanding. So there it is. That's the first of the big three. What can we do to help a kid that is being apathetic? Next up, a kid is disrespectful to you or to me, or to the educator, all right? What do we immediately normally think? Oh, he's just rude. Oh, he just doesn't like me. I heard he's fine in other classes. He doesn't like me. Oh, he doesn't care. He'll do whatever he wants. Oh, he oh he has no structure at home. His parents never follow through, so he just does whatever he wants, right? That's a kid is disrespectful in the class. These are all the things we immediately think. And then what do we often immediately do? We raise our voice at the student. Don't do that. You do that once more, you're going to the assistant principal. All right, we, or we might just kick the kid out. Get out of here, you can't do that in this class. Go down and see the assistant principal, all right? We might publicly demean the student. We might say something that sort of like cuts the kid down and is embarrassing to the kid but makes us feel better because now we have the power and we have the attention again. Those aren't good responses especially not for a kid who has experienced some level of trauma, which by the way, at this point, most kids have, right? Most kids have. So what are some other possible reasons the kid could be dis disrespectful? Well, the tone of our voice as educators could have caused the kid to go to an adaptive behavior such as disrespect. Who knows how his mom or his dad or his aunt or his uncle talks to him at home, causes him a lot of anxiety, so he, he lashes out at us like he would have lashed out at them based on the tone of our voice. He could be overstimulated in the classroom, just too much going on, just too much going on. And, and that could lead to the, the, the disrespect that he's showing. He could be anxious, have anxiety, he could feel threatened, and he's trying to like save face. There's a lot of reasons this kid could have been disrespectful in that moment that are adaptive reasons that are things this kid is doing that he's learned in the past. It's not personal. The kid doesn't wake up and think about me as an educator. The kid has a thousand other things on their mind. And somehow, whatever I did, put them in another place and they 
acted in an adaptive manner and lashed out in a disrespectful way. And I need to take a deep breath, not take it personally, not take it personally. So what can I do? What can I do? Well, I could ignore it and revisit it with the student once class is on task. So just move on. Just move on, keep the rest of the kids going, and then talk to the kid privately or out in the hallway once everybody's doing something. I could redirect the kid with warmth and just sort of say something like, hey, Mike, we're not doing that here today. Like, we need to get into this learning. I Don't even worry about it. I, I'll give you that one. Let, let's just keep going. Let's just do what's right. Um, most importantly, again, we don't take it personally. We take a deep breath and we monitor our own reaction. So you could say something else like, hey, I noticed you snapped at me. What do you think we need to do to change the way we interact? I like that one. Hey, I noticed that that was kind of disrespectful. Like, what do you think we need to do to get along better? I like that. And I, I also like this one. I'm open to doing something different, and I hope you are too. So there's a lot of ways we could respond to the disrespect in a disarming, supportive way without taking it personal. And that is the key. And last but not least, probably the one we deal with the most, probably the one that's the hardest to deal with as a teacher, as an educator, is that the student is being disruptive, right? How often does it feel like it's not just about what this kid's doing, it's about what other kids can't do because this kid's being disruptive, right? So what's our knee-jerk reaction? Well, my, like, she doesn't listen to me. She doesn't care. She's just disrespectful. She's such a jerk as a kid. She, she's seeking attention or she's on a power trip. You know, all these things pop into our head. All these things that just label the kid. Doesn't listen, doesn't care, is disrespectful, is mean, seeking attention. All these, these things just enter our head. And then what do we do? When we think these things, so the behavior happens, we think these things, and then we harshly confront the student or we make a cutting remark. Hey, we're not doing that. Get back on task. Hey, that's not appropriate. Get back on task. Hey, you know that's not allowed in here. Keep it up and you're going to go the assistant principal. We just, we just give these quick cutting remarks, all right? But that's not necessarily why the kid did it, okay? The kid might have done it because there's just a ton going on on the inside for the kid, they're over aroused. There's just too much happening emotionally for them at home, in the hallways, in the classroom. And the way they show it is they just disrupt others, right? They could be overstimulated. Too many things, too many conversations, too many activities in that class, too many different expectations, right? They could also be disrupting because they don't know what they're doing. So they're covering up. They're, they're, they're showing confidence when they don't really have any. So if we think about it that way, all right, the kid is disrupting, but it's because they, they have hyperarousal, they're overstimulated, they're covering up a lack of confidence. If we see it that way and we take a deep breath and we don't take it personal, then we can do other things instead. We could help the student go sit with the kid and chunk the assignment into smaller doable parts. We could check in frequently with this kid, compliment this kid for little things, see if positive reinforcement works them out of the disruptive behavior. We also could say things like, hey, I noticed you are not focused right now. You need to go get a drink of water or perhaps sit somewhere else so that you can focus on your work. Do you need to step out for a minute to regroup? So all of those responses are a better way to deal with this disruption because again, it's not personal. They're not disrupting to get us. They're disrupting because they've learned this adaptive behavior along the way. So the key to all three of dealing with the big three, dealing with the big three, 
is we have to remember to not take it personal. We need to take a deep breath. We need to say, this kid is doing this for a reason that has nothing to do with me. How can I respond in a calm and supportive manner that moves this kid forward? We need to separate ourselves from the moment. It ain't about us in this moment. It's about that kid. We need to stop our initial response, which is generally some sort of cutting remark or redirection. And it's often a negative moment. Don't create a negative moment. The kid's already created one. By the way, the kid has already created one. As the adult, let's not create a second one. Let's remember to take a deep breath, not take it personal, and remember that the behavior is adaptive. We can respond in an understanding way while still addressing the behavior. I am not saying you say, that's cool what you just did. I'm just saying if we think it through and don't take it personal and take a breath, we can address the behavior in an understanding way. I love this quote straight from the book. If you are willing to assume your students have positive intentions, to not take things too personally, and to be curious and empathetic, your relationships with students and your classroom culture will shift out of power and control and into cooperation and connection. Take these moments of the big three, apathy, disrespect, and disruption. Take these moments, don't take them personal, take a deep breath, and make them moments where you actually create connection. Don't don't create more disconnection, create connection. And I got to tell you, it's liberating not to take this stuff personally. It's hard. You got to remember your, You got to remember it. I almost would have to write it on my desk, like just write it on my desk. Don't take behavior personally. Don't take behavior personally. Don't get mad. Don't feel negative. Just stay above it. Be the adult in the room. All right. Don't take it personally. See it for what it is. Take a breath, address it with understanding and move on. Your classroom will be a nice place to learn even for the kids who have dealt with trauma, even for the kids who have negative adaptive behaviors. If we respond this way, it'll be a nice place to learn for all. So as you keep going into this school year and you start to deal with more and more behaviors, of course, goes without saying, remember this, don't take behavior personally. Take a deep breath. Respond in a calm, supportive manner. This will help your kids with trauma. This will help all your kids. Most importantly, most importantly, it will help you not lose your mind in a very, very challenging minute to minute and day to day job. So hope you can do this. Hope this helps you dealing with the big three in student behaviors. And I hope the beginning of your school year goes excellent and you're able to turn that corner into October and keep the positivity rolling. We'll be with you again in a few weeks. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Teacher's Cup of Coffee.